If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good afternoon, America. Good afternoon, Rochester, New York. This is uh, Chad Hummel on the Got Freedom Podcast, here live in the We The People Podcast uh, broadcast studios in Arondequoit, New York. Thank you for joining me here today. It's been a couple weeks. I seem to say that a lot when I start off my podcasts. It's been a couple weeks. So uh, it has been a couple weeks, but a lot has happened. A lot has happened in the past couple weeks, and uh, many of you tuning in probably know exactly what it is I'm referring to that I'm going to get into here in uh, detail in just a few moments. But again, thank you for joining me here, Chad Hummel on the Got Freedom podcast, uh, live here in our studios in Arondequoit, New York on the We The People podcast network. Uh, I am uh, thankfully uh, in the presence of my wonderful producer, Austin from Rockvox Productions. And Austin has a, uh, a wonderful way of letting us know that he's here. That, uh, that famous thumbs Hello. up there. There he is. And just in case you thought that thumbs up picture was a staged photo, which it is, um, you also heard his voice there. So he really is here. Yes, I, I do actually exist, probably. <laughs> probably. We haven't confirmed it yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also joined in the studio by um, an individual who's affectionately known on the We The People <laughs> podcast network as <laughs> Just Tom. Yeah, sure I am. Hi guys! There he is. You guys know who that is. That's uh, that's Tom Morgan. I I, w- I was promised that he would get me uh, refreshments after. <laughs> so, um, you know what many of you might not know about just Tom is he's not just Tom. He's not just uh, the guy. I'm not. No, he's not just the third <laughs> wheel on, on Kimberly's Revolution uh, on Wednesdays and the second wheel on Tuesdays and, and all that good stuff. Uh, just Tom, uh, also, many of you might not know this. Um, he's a very, uh, close personal friend of mine. He has been, um, for, I don't know what, three decades now, maybe four or you five, were 12. So how old are you now? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm old. I'm 47. There you go. Yeah, 35 so, years. So it's been a long time. I've known Tom, uh, for a long time, uh, we won't get into all the specifics. Um, that'll Thank be God for, for that. That'll be for another podcast. We'll go over <laughs> go over those details. But but I asked. Uh, I won't call him just Tom because uh, he's Tom. I'll, uh, the reason why I asked Tom to join me here today is because he is a close personal friend of mine, and, and the ordeal that I went through for the past uh, eight or nine months. Uh, you know, he was right there by my side, offered a lot of support, 
And, uh, and he also happened to be here today at the office and I didn't want to talk by myself for an hour straight. So I asked him to sit in and, you know, throw some, uh, lob some digs at me every once in a so while. So is this the point where I publicly apologize for not showing up to your court date? <laughs> in that too. I, I wanted to give just Tom an opportunity uh, to apologize for not being at my court appearance. I know he was there in, in heart and spirit, but you know what? It's not his fault. I didn't really tell anyone about my, my court appearance. Uh, everyone knew about my situation. A lot of people supported me along the way, asked me questions along the way, followed up along the way. But once it came time to go to trial, um, I kind of kept that uh, close to my vest. And some people found out that morning, the morning of trial, and I do want to you know, thank them here momentarily um, for all of their support that day and, and for putting out the word out there. And um, I heard from dozens and dozens of people the day of my trial, uh, many people um, with some wonderful messages on social media, uh, sending the prayers my way, and I uh, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, so, I, I I'm not good at at the whole thank you thing, but I do have to say, you know, first and foremost, actually, if it was first and foremost, I would have already covered it. But nonetheless, first and foremost, I have well, to, you had to introduce the star of the show, yeah, me. I had yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's kind of hot in here, Austin. Can we turn the air on? I had uh, to. Uh, I don't I, know. I had to first introduce the people that are in the studio, but. Um, my wife, of course, um, you know, she she had to carry a heavy burden uh, since May 1st, May 1st of 2021 uh, when I was arrested and, uh, you know, in all of in all of everything that came with it since then. And it wasn't all bad. There was a lot of good that came of it. I met a lot of, you know, awesome people, uh, generated, um, you know, a lot of, of, of goodwill in the community and uh, helped organize a lot of things that you know, were for the benefit of our community throughout the COVID tyranny. But there was, you know, there was some bad too. There was some negative. There was some, there was pressure um, and anxiety and, and and all that that goes with it. And we do have four children and my wife really, you know, really carried the burden uh, for the family for the past eight months, 10 months actually. So, um, so I really appreciate her for that. And um, of course, I do just have to, you know, I don't want to name names necessarily, but I, if it's okay, and, it, and it's going to have to be okay because I'm about to do it, but I do want to name some names, the individuals that were in the courtroom uh, last Wednesday night in, in the town of Irondequoit. Um, Shannon Joy, Mark Agor, Jen Morales, Nigel Shaw, Flo Englerth, and, of course, my mom. Um, truly, truly, truly appreciate them being there. And uh, just one last name I want to name, and that's... Um, and, and for all of those out there, um, I know you've heard this before in other contexts, but if, if I haven't mentioned your name, obviously um, that's not because I don't know who you are and I don't know, um, you know what you've done for me, whether you know me or not. Um, I've seen your messages on, on social media, and I truly appreciate your support, but um, I just want to name one last name, and that's um, Christina Higley, who you all know um, helped organize and run Rock for Educational Freedom um, an absolute um, powerhouse uh, of of an organizer uh, and somebody who has fought tremendously for our children since uh, since COVID uh, landed in our lap two years ago. But uh, Christina uh, found out about my trial last Wednesday morning. She was pissed that that I hadn't told her about it, and she immediately uh, launched a request out there for prayers for me. and And I am so grateful for that, and I appreciate her for that. So. All right, that's that's very uh, without further ado. <laughs> yeah, that's very uncomfortable. I don't, you know, I do, 
I do want to thank the, the people who, who deserve the thanks, but it's, uh, you know, kind of uncomfortable for me to, to talk like that. So nonetheless, I'm, I, I usually like to be funny and sarcastic and, and kind of... That's what you are? Yeah, and kind of put that, you know, put that face out there to the general public. All right. So, all right. What is that? What is Flo saying here? We're all pissed at you. Yeah, I know. You guys were pissed because I didn't tell you about my trial. That's all right. I, I wanted to... Like I said, I wanted to keep it keep it close um, close to my vest and, and do what I had to do that day. Um, oh, and of course, my attorney, right? How could I forget my attorney? And many of you are saying, what do you mean your attorney? You are an attorney. Right. Yeah, but as they say, uh, a wise attorney once said that an attorney uh, who represents himself has a fool for a client. And I certainly would have made a fool out of myself if I had represented myself. Shocker. Yeah. So I am forever, forever thankful that uh, fellow colleague, uh, Daniel Strollo, uh, I don't know if he wants me to say this or not, but former, uh, formerly of the Monroe County District Attorney's Office, Dan was a, um, I don't know if high powered is the right way to say it, but he was a, he was a high level um, attorney, district attorney at the Monroe County District Attorney's Office, was doing wonderful work there. Uh, and that unfortunately all came to an abrupt end for him, uh, for for reasons that I won't get into right now. So what um, are we doing he here got, today, Chad? Got railroaded, cancel culture, the whole nine yards. We're going to talk. <laughs> oh, That's what we do. Okay. And you're just going to sit there and be quiet. All right. <laughs> you're going to speak when spoken to. Yes, sir. <laughs> so uh, Mike Abraham says, um, the cat must have his tongue or something. Or maybe... Is he uh, 69 or 66 or which one is he? Oh, you know, you know that he's one of the, my number friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, he's 92. 92. There yeah, you he's go. 92. Uh, Mike well, Abraham. now he's 69. Congratulations, yeah. Mike. <laughs> uh, fellow, fellow football player from St. John Fisher College back in the day. All right. See, now you got me all sidetracked. What was I saying? Oh, I was talking about my attorney, Dan Strollo. So Dan Strollo reached out to me several months ago. And, you know, threw me a lifeline and said, look, you need help with this. You need somebody in your corner, and I'm the man to do it. And he really was. He did a phenomenal job. Um, Kept you out of trouble. Last Wednesday. He did. And, you know, I'll just tell you quickly, quick funny story. Um, the trial lasted about four hours from start to finish. Uh, we scheduled to start at 530, pre-court proceedings. We probably didn't get started till 6, and I think it was around uh, 930, 945 by the time we got out of there. So it was close to four-hour trial. How many times did you stand up and go, I object, Your Honor? <laughs> well, that's the that's the story I'm about to tell you. Oh, is that good. So, so I'm constantly in Dan's ear throughout the trial, right? Because I'm trying to run the show like it, like I'm the attorney. And over the years, I've told so many clients in this same situation, don't talk to me, don't whisper in my ear. Here's a pad and a pen. If you have anything to say or any questions for me, just write them down on this piece of paper. I need to listen to the witnesses as the, as they testify. I need to listen to the judge as he rules on objections. I need to I need to focus and pay attention. So, of course, what do I do now that I'm the client? I'm like the worst client in the history of the world as of a course you are. as a criminal defendant. I'm constantly in Dan's ear saying things and and you know, he's lying and 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 so on and so forth as the Does witnesses that mean are, he's going to double your bill as as the witnesses are testifying. And at one point, I think, I'll paraphrase a little bit, um, and I can't swear, right, on a podcast, but I think at one point, Dan literally turned to me and said, can you shut the fuck up, Chad? I'm trying to listen. <laughs> uh, but he, he did a phenomenal job, yeah. So, Well, if you were representing yourself, it would have taken six hours instead of four. 
Oh, there was no question about that. <laughs> yeah, I would have probably given about a two-hour opening statement, a four-hour closing statement. You'd have bet in the weeds. I, would, I definitely would have been in the weeds. No, all kidding aside, that's that's precisely correct. That's uh, that's why, in hindsight, I am very happy that I did uh, retain an attorney because you know he was kind of able to keep that that proper separation. Um, he was you know very professional, and and again, he did a just did a phenomenal job for me. So, um. All right, where do I want to go from here? From here, what I want to do is, um, Austin, if we could, first, you know, pull up. Uh, I think I sent you an article. Yep, the uh, Daily Wire article. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I'm I'm back to thank yous again. Um, if you can zoom in on the the individual that wrote the story there for the Daily Wire. Well, I thought you meant your face, Chad. No, I don't want to <laughs> zoom in on that forehead and that schnoz. Exactly. Oh, great. So he zooms in on the forehead even more. <laughs> there you go. Um, so this story first broke this week um, by Amanda Prestigiacomo at the Daily Wire. And Amanda is here locally, I'm pretty sure, in, in Rochester, New York. And Amanda's been great. She's followed my story since the beginning. I met Amanda way back in March of 2020 when COVID all began. She was one of those... Uh, one of those um, newsbeat writers that was, you know, on top of these issues and, and constantly uh, covering the the rallies and uh, all of the the activity that was going on uh, surrounding the groups that were, you know, challenging all of the the COVID mandates in New York State. But Amanda's been following my story since the beginning. She wrote up an awesome story when I first got arrested, and it got a lot of public attention, um, both at the local and national level, uh, for my story. And then when I was acquitted last Wednesday night. Oh, wait, um, you forgot a step. Then well, Hezbollah bombed uh, Israel with yeah, missiles. And, and I was pulled from Fox and Friends. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I was scheduled to go on Fox and Friends back over the summer based on uh, Amanda's story. And, yeah, and that got pulled because of apparently missiles. Some, some stuff in the Middle East. Right. Exactly. So um, – Another local writer, Megan Fox, who's also um, covered my story, and she's become a close personal friend, has provided me lots of uh, media advice uh, throughout all of this. Um, she, you know, helped get my story over to Amanda last Thursday and Friday morning, so that so that Amanda could get this story out there. And since Amanda wrote this story, this story has been picked up by Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire. It's been picked up by Breitbart News. Uh, yesterday, last night, it was picked up by Charlie Kirk and, and, and put back out there. Um, I was contacted today by uh, the producers at Newsmax. Uh, so I'm going to be doing an interview with Newsmax tomorrow at uh, 1030. All so, right. so I just wanted to say thank you to Amanda uh, for, for covering this story and, and help, uh, help get it out there. So, all right. Now, Tom, you had a, a great idea. You found a clip from May of 2021. Well, it was my first court appearance. Correct. Um, yeah. My, so at my first court appearance, I had, thank you to uh, Matt Fritz, a uh, fellow patriot out there, um, and and uh, Matt Clark was also involved in this too. And, and of course, you know, everyone else, most of you watching and, and listening right now, there were dozens. Um, I don't know. Was there 100? Was there 200 people at my first court Even appearance? Even Kimberly showed up. Kimberly was there, yeah. There, there might have been 200 at that first court appearance. There was a lot of people there. I had a tremendous amount of support. Uh, the news, local news media uh, was also there that day. And I 
I came out of court and I gave a little bit of a speech to all of my supporters, you know, thanking them for being there. And there was something in particular that I had said that, Tom, you recalled that I had said. Correct. Um, and now you're looking to hold my feet to the fire and hold and hold me. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. And hold me to it. But no, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I have talked about that several times over the past uh, week since my acquittal. And, um, and it's very important. It's very important. So it's about a two-minute clip, Austin, if we could play that. Straight from the horse's mouth. I'll say this. That's me. And I'm going to go on the record. And my wife, Maggie. So that you can all hold me to this. I'm on the record. I've told this Half to of people our bowling team. <laughs> but I'm going to go on the record now and say this. When these charges get dismissed, when they get dismissed. What a prediction that was, huh? That will clear the way for a big civil rights lawsuit. Sounds like a couple hundred people, right? For all you plaintiff's lawyers in the crowd, though, hold on, slow down, don't get too excited. Because this is what I'm going to do. Because the reason why I put my hands out and I said, go ahead and arrest me when they gave me that one last chance to leave. Because they would have beat me if I didn't. I'm going to cry. I did. I really did. I thought about everything we've done. I might have to rethink my strategy. If somebody wants to know if, if we're all going to get a piece of this, that's, that's not a bad idea. All right? It's not going to so, be enough. This is what I'm going to do, though. When the charges get dismissed, okay, I'm going to go to the chief of police. I haven't told you about him yet. I'm going to go to the chief of police, and I'm going to go to the superintendent of the school district, and everyone else that was involved in this targeting of my family, I'm going to go to them, and I'm going to give them one last chance. One last chance. And the last chance they're going to get is this. Public apology to all of us. There you go. Amen. Yes. Yes. Public apology to all of us and a resignation. <laughs> and a resignation. In exchange, in exchange for a full and unqualified release of liability for my civil rights lawsuit. What do you think? There you go. Think I should stick to that story? Yeah. You I got did, enough money, right? I did promise that. Um, and, and of course, I always forget about the comments here. So, Tom, help me out since you're here. If you see, yeah, I comments. can actually see them now that I have glasses. So, if you so. see any, yeah, if you see any comments that I should be responding to, let me know. Um, again, thank you all for listening and, and watching here today. This is Chad Hummel on the Got Freedom Podcast, and I'm joined here today by Tom Morgan, who. You, you may recognize from Kimberly's Revolution and Tom, of course. Every once in a while. A business partner of mine and a very close personal friend. So um, so here's the, here's the deal with that. Here's the deal with um, the promise that I made uh, back in early May of 2021 after I was arrested by the East Aronicoit Central School District. Um. I kind of knew where this was going, and I knew, as a matter of fact, that the East Rondequoit School District had targeted me. Uh, in fact, on, on the day this happened, 
uh, I was there with my wife and, and neither one of us had masks on and, and we both refused to leave. And uh, nonetheless, when the police officers uh, showed up and, you know, one last thank you, one last thank you. And this is because I just can't help myself. I jump around all over the place. So just remind me where I, I left off. I always ask Austin to remind me where I left off because by the time I get done with this tangent, I'm going to go on. I'm going to forget what the hell I was talking about. All right. So, so uh, just make a mental note of where I left off there. But just two last thank yous to the two Arondequoit police officers who arrested me that day. So they're not part of the uh, resignation? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I'm not thanking them for arresting me. Let's be clear. Right. Not thanking them for arresting me. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, I wish they had the ability and I'll just kind of leave it at that. I wish they had the ability to exercise their own discretion that day and not arrest me. Right. I wish they had the ability to, to tell the, the individuals, the bullies. I thought they actually do have that ability to well, not arrest you. I, I get it, but you know, kind of because you know, I learned with, that on a different Got Freedom podcast. Nice, but kind of work with me here, read between right. the lines. I, you know, they at, at that moment for for all the reasons politically, their their livelihoods, etc. They didn't have the quote unquote ability to to tell the individuals at East Arundequite, you know, go screw yourselves. What the hell are you talk? What the hell are you talking about? We're not going to arrest this guy. He's not doing anything wrong. But but I do want to thank them, and and here's the reason why I want to thank them. I want to thank them. Because both of them testified at my trial. Oh, I, no kidding. On behalf of the prosecution, they were called by the by the people of the state of New York to testify on their behalf against me, so to speak. Um, and they both told the truth. They both told the truth. And there was an opportunity. Aren't, not that they shouldn't they have. they supposed to do well, that? Of course. Under oath? Of course. But, you know, look, I've been doing criminal defense Apparently work for, there were other people that may not have told well, the truth. Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to oh, get to that. Nice. And, that, and that's the, the dirt. Yeah. Dirt's coming. See, look, you're trying to redirect me here. I get it. And that's <laughs> counselor, no redirections. And that's the point is, is that when there was an opportunity for them to embellish a little bit and kind of do their thing as police officers, when they get called by the prosecution, they're usually friendly, favorable witnesses for the people. And they usually say the things that the prosecution wants them to say. Um, and for, for one example, one of the, the one police officer who approached me, and put the handcuffs on me. And I won't say his specific name, um, but maybe he's listening. He knows who he is. And there was an exchange that him and I had that day. When he approached me, he said to me, he said, um, are you going to leave or are we cuffing you? And I said to him, well, why would you be cuffing me? And he said, okay, turn around, right? So one of the things that the prosecution was trying to establish in their case against me was that all of these individuals had ordered me to leave. Oh, that you resisted. And that I was belligerent and that I told these people I wasn't going to leave and so on and so forth. This is what, this is what they tried to establish. And they, and they called the police officers last. After all of the school district employees had testified, they called the, the, the police officers last. Because I thought they, Jack Nicholson te testifies last. <laughs> no? I, I thought they were going to call him too. So, But I wouldn't have been able to handle the truth, so I'm glad he uh, did. All right. Yeah. So, Did they have a log of the plates coming in to Eradicate that day? <laughs> no? Oh, you're killing me. All right, keep going. I love it. I love it, though. One of my favorite movies of all time. So... So I think what the prosecution was kind of planning was that 
we, we've called all these district employees, right? And now we're going to put the two uniformed police officers on the stand and they're going to put the nail in the coffin, right? They're going to say that we approached Hummel and we ordered Hummel to leave and we ordered Hummel to put a mask on and he told us no and he refused to leave and we had to arrest him and we had no choice. And when the prosecutor asked the officer who put the handcuffs on me, you know, what was, what was the exchange? What did, what did Mr. Hummel say or what did you say to him and so on and so forth? He very kind of, and I mean this in a respectful way, but he kind of sheepishly said, well, I just asked him, you know, if I was going to have to cuff him or was he going to leave? You know, he kind of said it very soft-spoken and, and the prosecutor said, well, what did he say? And he said, well, why would you be cuffing me? So he, he recalled specifically mm -hmm. what our conversation was. And he didn't say I ordered Hummel to leave and he didn't say that Hummel refused to leave. He just testified as to exactly what happened. And it was actually refreshing. And, it, and unfortunately, this is kind of out of context for all the listeners and the viewers and even for you. But the context of this testimony was I had just spent two and a half hours listening to employees of the school district who shouldn't have any motive to lie and who shouldn't lie under oath, right? Lie under oath. And now the police officers are taking the stand and I'm going, okay, great. Now, now the police officers are going to take the stand and they're going to kind of pile on, right? Nope. They both told the truth. They both got up there, raised their right hand. They were in their uniforms and they swore to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And well, they that, did. That's because they believe that statement where the other ones may not believe it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they know what they're saying and they believe it. Mm -hmm. So I, so I thank those two police officers that, that, um, Again, I certainly don't thank them for arresting me, um, but I do appreciate the fact that uh, when they were required under subpoena to testify, uh, they didn't volunteer to come testify, right? But they were, they were required to come testify under oath, and, and they told the truth. And their testimony didn't hurt, you know, hurt my defense at all, didn't hurt my case at all. In fact, I think it helped because on cross-exam, my attorney only had a couple questions for them because there was nothing that they had really said that hurt me. But one of the one of the questions that my attorney asked both of the police officers was, was Mr. Hummel polite and respectful at all times? And he didn't know what the answer was going to be. I mean, he Isn't certainly... is that rule number one? You don't ask a question you unless you know what the answer yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. But he, you know, my attorney banked on and had faith in what I had told him uh, as far as what my interactions were with the two police officers, the Iranaquay police officers. So he asked them both that question and they both said, yes, they both answered in the affirmative that he was, yes, he was, yes, your client was. So, so that was, that was good. All right. Now, where was I? I don't know. We're going to play a video at some point. <laughs> what do you mean a video? We already no. played the video, didn't we? We, we another... played the video like 10 minutes ago, Tom. Oh man. Are you okay? Killing me I'm already sleeping. <laughs> No, yeah, you were supposed to make a mental note of where I was because I went off on this tangent of thanking the two oh, police officers. Yeah, sorry, I blew it. You blew it. Yeah, Austin, any help here? I, no, Tom, I was supposed to be on it. Yeah, I, that was my I, job. Was I supposed to be listening too? I so, waited. Yeah. I waited a year to get on the Got Freedom podcast, and I <laughs> and screwed you, up my only job. And you blew it. Unbelievable. <laughs> I did was thinking something else, and I forgot that too. So there was two things. So perfect. It is what it is. Yeah, that's all right. So, yes, Striker, they. He, Striker 1B says they sound like uh, good cops. Striker 1B sounds like he's probably a cop. So huh? what were the these people that were I know who you are, from the school district that testified against you? What were their, not their specific positions, but what were they security staff? Were they teachers? Were they 
Yeah. Um, all right. Swoop one. You know, what What were these people? <laughs> Jason Jason Madigan says Tom just slept through the tangent. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> Could you blame him, that's Jason? That's obvious. <laughs> all my viewers slept through the tangent, too. <laughs> So, all right, good, good question. I want, I want to address that, but, um, but probably more interesting. Did Superintendent Grow testify as well? She, she did. Oh, all she right. She did. All right, hold on. Let me answer all one right. of your questions before you ask the next question. Well, ask you told question. me to get involved. You're a lousy interviewer. <laughs> you don't even well, let me... Kimberly's not here. I am in her chair, though, so, but she's not here. Yeah. So the, the, crux, the crux of my defense that was so well um, constructed and played. Oh, now I remember my question. Mindy, you're killing me. My question, my was, how many times did Austin, they? Austin, who invited him on the show? <laughs> Sorry, you know what? That was my bad. I said, Tom, you should join Chad today. How many times did they change what they charged you? Remember from the beginning, they said that it was going to be a um, yeah. misdemeanor. I don't know, be something criminal charge, and then well, they, they changed up. it multiple times. Every time you had a defense, they changed it to something else. Well, they screwed up from the get-go. So they, what was the end charge? They that, charged me originally, they charged me with criminal trespass being inside of a building. And of course, I was never inside of a building. So that that charge got dismissed right out right out of the gate. And, and then once they recognized that that was a bad charge, then they, they filed the new charge of me being outside and refusing to leave. And then, then later on, later on when I went to my daughter's softball game after they allegedly banned me from campus. They tried to charge me again with criminal trespass for showing back up on campus. And that gets into what, you know, what the potential uh, civil lawsuit's going to be. But we do need to get back to, you know, number one, my promise uh, of there won't be a civil lawsuit provided, you know, that the district does, you know, what, what I'd like them to do as far as apologies and resignations. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but, the crux of of my defense that uh, Mr. Strollo uh, afforded me was specifically along the lines of the authority of the individual who asked me to leave. And the individual who approached me that day, the plainclothes individual who, for all I knew, was just another parent who was pissed at me that I didn't have a mask on and was coming up to me and telling me to leave. Some guy in plain clothes, came up to me and my wife and told us that we had to leave, that we either had to put masks on or leave, and then proceeded to engage us for about 10 minutes. He didn't have that yellow security jacket on? He did on. not have the yellow security jacket on. He didn't have anything on other than jeans and a jacket, and that was the, the one part that he was truthful about in his testimony at the trial. Under cross-examination, he was asked specifically, what were you wearing and did you have any security really? identity on? And he acknowledged he didn't do the, that he did Do you know who I am? Don't you know who yeah, I am? Exactly. No, he didn't do that. So <laughs> so this plainclothes guy who turns out to be nothing but an employee of Swoop One Security, which is Chief Allen Laird's private moonlighting security company, where he made in the 2020, this is where I'm going to end up in a trunk by the end of the night, but in the 2020-2021 fiscal year from the East Arundaquite Central School District, and I know people from the East Arundaquite Central School District are watching this podcast. They go back and they watch these if they're not watching live right now. Um, but Chief Allen Laird's private security company, Swoop One Security, collected... Take a guess. How much how much money in one fiscal year for for doing security services at the high school? I'm and I think the, I'm and the uncannily in general. I think I'm uncanny good at this. Yeah, well, I don't think you will be on this one. I'm gonna guess you probably already heard. 
No, I have no idea. I'm going to guess 179,000. Not even close. Not even close? Not even close. Add 300,000 to that. In, in your, Half a mil. $476,000 in the 2020-2021 fiscal year. And how many employees does he have? Um, oh, this is for the whole district, dozens. though. The, the school, all the security staff at the district? The or East is this of, just people at baseball games? Listen to me. Okay. Listen to me. All right. The East Arundel Central School District. I'm a taxpayer of, and many of many of those listening, I'm not. Maybe as well. Well, you are indirectly because we all pay county taxes and state taxes. Yeah, that's and, true. And the money all gets funneled back to these school districts, pro rata, etc. So, the East Arundel Central School District paid. Swoop One Security, owned by the chief of police in the town of Irondequoit, $476,000 in one fiscal year for private security services at East Irondequoit property, campus property. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes it a little different. It, it mean, does? Well, half that's a million all dollars? the schools, all the, mm-hmm. you know, that's the security staff. Yeah. All, I, the, all the people in the school, lunch, class, everything. Half a million for private security. I don't know. What's the total budget to the chief for of East Irondequoit? Hundred million? Ninety two million. Okay. Well. So half a million out of ninety two million, that's probably about right. So you, so you think that the chief of police of a particular town Yeah, but he's not getting that. There's a lot of staff that gets paid in it, there. It's his company. Well. What's he getting though? Hundred grand? Fifty grand? That's okay, right? If it well, if, if it's yeah, all on the up and up. He's a what businessman. If, what if I told you that what if I told you that he was doing private security work that would otherwise be classified as police work and collecting the money doing private security work that his police department should be doing. What if I told you that? Would that I, change I, your mind? I, I am not qualified to answer that question, counselor. Because you don't want to end up in the same trunk as me tonight, do you? You don't want to no. be in the same dumpster, do you? No. Yeah, exactly. Is there a cooler in this dumpster? All right. We'll leave it at we'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. Every see everyone else, I should have brought everyone else on the podcast. Everyone else recognizes that it's a conflict of interest. Yeah, he's a businessman. I see the comments flowing. Conflict of interest, conflict of interest. It's obviously a conflict of interest. Do you when still the, have your arms and legs, Chad? Listen. Are you in a trunk? When a the car? East Aronaquate Central School District contacts when they think a crime has been committed. Well, yeah, that's that's should where they it be is. contacting the police department or should they be contacting Swoop One Security? Well, they guess who they contact a lot of times, and I have the proof of this. And you know, we'll, this won't come out in the podcast. This will come out in the civil litigation. Mm-hmm. But the East Sarandequoit School District, a lot of times, apparently, instead of contacting the police department, who already gets paid out of the, the budget of the taxpayers in the town of Sarandequoit, instead they call the chief in his private role, so the chief can make extra money on the side, allegedly, right? And there's some proof of that. So it's not it's probably not going to end well for for Swoop One Security allegedly. Okay. I imagine. I predict. <laughs> I made some predictions. We we watched you did. Them. You I was were right. right and I was right. I was right. All right, so now I don't want to end up in a trunk, Jason, so so I have to play this right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now back to that and what I what I may or may not do going forward. So now I'm not backpedaling at all on those promises that I made. And those promises still stand. However, here's the problem now. The problem is, is that when I made those promises, that was after my arraignment, right? That's early on. That's first court appearance type of stuff. Yeah, May 2021, that's, almost a year ago. That's if the school district stands down, okay, and essentially allows the charges to go away, 
And that can happen. As a practical matter, any one person in power and authority at the school district could have contacted the Monroe County DA's office and said, look, you know what, on second thought, we were the ones that asked for this criminal prosecution, so we're going to be the ones that ask for it to go away. Now, technically speaking, and I've given this advice to clients thousands of times over the years, technically speaking, the DA's office does not have to let the case go. Once it's their case, it's their case. But whoever the complaining party is, and in this case, it was the school district, they were the ones that called the police. They were the ones that signed all of the appropriate and proper paperwork in order to have my case brought to charges. At any point in time, had the school district made that phone call, there's no doubt in my mind that the Monroe County DA's office would have let this thing go. They weren't going to try to pick this ball up and run with it without the school district. In fact, they couldn't have because they would have no case to put on last Wednesday night. Right. Instead, they doubled down on stupid. Instead, they doubled down. Mm -hmm. and, on, and, and, and worse than that, they came to court and they lied. They lied. Two of the four witnesses. Here are the four witnesses. Okay. Uh -oh. So we named some names earlier, right? We thanked the people that deserve to be thanked. Here are the four witnesses that testified at my trial. Mary Grow, in order. Mary Grow, the superintendent of East Aronaquate Central School District. Resign. Um, John Abbott, as opposed to Jim Abbott. Because I, I don't think it was Jim Abbott. Does he own an ice cream parlor? No, doesn't. Is he a left-handed pitcher? With yeah, wasn't Jim Abbott the baseball his, player? Wore his uh, mitt on his left hand. Yeah, because he was born without a hand, Correct. right? So it was John Abbott. John Abbott. Is the deputy superintendent of the Saranaquate Central School District. Resigned. So Mary Grow testifies against me. John Abbott testifies against me. Jim Carroll, who's the individual who I mentioned a few moments ago that was the private security guard working for Swoop One Security. Resigned. Who took the stand and, and lied and said he worked for the East Saranaquate School District because he had they had to have somebody who claimed to work for the school district take the stand and testify that they ordered me to leave campus in order for these charges to, to even have a chance to stick. So Jim Carroll takes the stand and, and says, I work for the East Ronaquate Central School District. And then on cross-examination, he quickly admits that he doesn't really work for the East Ronaquate Central School District, that he works for Chief Allen Laird's private security company. So we got Mary Grow, we have John Abbott, we have Jim Carroll, um, and Kyle Vacanti, the athletic director. So, so which one of these is going to be the fall guy? That's a great question. So that's a great question. Perhaps uh, perhaps one of them will be. Now, it probably won't be Jim Carroll, though, because Jim Carroll is cousins with Mary Grow, the superintendent, right? Because if 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 the relationship and the incest and the and the um Did you just say incest and the and the relationship between the school district and the corporate partnership that they have with Swoop One Security, if all that's not enough then the superintendent, of course, it has to be her cousin that's working for the private security company that in plain clothes came up and pretended he had the authority to direct me and my wife to leave my son's varsity baseball game that day. So, so these are the four individuals. And I'm not teasing you and I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, to, you know, to leave you all hanging, but as I said on social media this past week, I can't get into any further specifics about who the two individuals were that lied. I already kind of gave you a little bit of a lead in. Jim Carroll lied about um, working for the school district, but that's that's really immaterial to a potential civil lawsuit at this point. It's it's the further lies that were told by two of these four individuals um, 
at the trial. And when I say lies, I'm not, I'm not telling you that, that I believe they're lies because that would probably be good enough. I mean, if I believe they lied, you know, I'm pretty sure I'd probably be, you know, proven right on that. So when, is this when like, when Jen's, it all comes out. Is this like Jen Psaki type of lies or just, well, uh, does she do anything but lie? <laughs> I mean, you got to admit that she's pretty good at her job. I mean, she's she, pretty good at lying. Yeah, she's really good at that. Yeah. So that so that type of lying? Nepotism, or, yeah. So Vicky, yeah, I said incest, nepotism, same thing, right? When it comes to this this type of uh this type of stuff that these school districts get involved in. So so two of these individuals take the stand and tell just blatant direct lies against me in order to get a conviction. So so one particular individual, and, and we have the proof. I have the documentary proof in my hands of the lies. And we didn't need to expose these lies at the trial. So for example, the one witness, is, the one witness gets up, he testifies for about 15, 20 minutes. He tells a couple very, very blatant and obvious and material lies in order to try to gain this conviction, right? It was testimony that the prosecution needed in order to gain the conviction. So he was coached up? Nah, I don't want to say, I don't necessarily think he was coached up. I think that, I think that the district knew from my prior podcasts, probably from, from probably from public statements that I've made many times um, to many individuals, including civil attorneys that are representing the school district, direct conversations that I've had with the with the school district civil attorneys. I think they knew what my angle was. I think they knew what I knew all along. And I think they recognized that they weren't going to get this criminal conviction that they so desperately need, by the way. They needed this criminal conviction in order to make any possible civil lawsuit go away. For what? Because I mean, once isn't, I'm convicted... Isn't co by the time you had this trial no, occurred, no, no. COVID was basically over. It's nothing to do with COVID. Well, I get that. But but at that point, no. to save you're, face... You're, 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 you're way... You're way out of but out at in that left field. point to save face on their criminal charges. Don't they just at the twelfth hour no. drop it? No, you're way out in left field, like where me and my wife were standing, hundreds of yards feet from everybody when we were approached right. and, and arrested. No, they needed my conviction in order to make any civil liability go away. Because ah. once I'm found guilty of a crime or of anything in criminal court, even a violation in criminal court. I, my claim against them, my potential claim against them goes away because now they're right and I'm wrong. I, how can I sue them for kicking me off campus and banning me from campus and threatening that I can't go to my son's graduation and all the things they did to me? How can I sue them for that if in criminal court I'm found guilty of that very conduct? So this is why it took a year when... You know, every, well, no, it, when, it, when, when everybody kind of realized, look, this is BS. No, it took a year because... You know that that's how long it takes to go to trial in a criminal but case. But why? But why they didn't drop it after after it was obvious that there's no real case here. There probably wasn't in your eyes from the beginning. But no, because they were they they grabbed onto this. They've been vindictive from the start. The reason why I was arrested in the first place is because they were targeting me for my prior so-called conduct that they didn't like, right? Like speaking out against them on critical race theory and speaking out against them on the, on the mask mandates and all that. So there's no question I was a target leading up to May 1st of 2021, and they're not going to let that go. They're stubborn, and they're not going to let it go. So they continue the prosecution right up until the point where they show up to trial on a Wednesday night in town court at 6 o'clock at night, 
and then take the stand and lie. If they had let it go, let's say somewhere in the middle, would would that have been like an admission that they did something wrong, or could they have done that and and you still wouldn't have been able to pursue it? Um, well, that's a good question. If and, and again, when you say if if they had let it go, well, assuming the DA yes, went along with it, co- correct, correct. Had the district contacted the DA's office and said, "Look, we don't want to press this any further. How can we make this thing go away?" Then. Then yeah, and I think, you know, I actually think they tried to do that. They tried to do that through the form of what's called an ACD, an adjournment in contemplation of dismissal. At one point, the DA's office came to us, me and my attorney, and said, we can resolve this with an ACD. And that's basically a dismissal after six months, as long as you don't get any further trouble. The charges do go away as if it never happened. However, if I had accepted what's called an ACD, then I wouldn't have been able to Go right. any further with my lawsuit. Okay. So that was that. So why was, didn't they try that? They just they did. They I just, just I just told you that that's what they that's what they offered. Oh, they tried to get me to go away with an ACD, and I called their bluff. I wasn't going to take it. Now, had I been convicted, obviously I would have been like that was a bad Shit. choice. I should have taken the ACD because now I have a criminal conviction instead of a dismissal after six months. But I wasn't going to take it. I've told clients many times over the years, an ACD is like a fake dismissal. Yeah, it's a dismissal, but it's not an acquittal. It's not hearing the judge or hearing the jury say you're not guilty. It's not vindication. And if you know that you have liability and you know you've done something wrong, well, then by all means, this is a great way out to take the ACD. But of course, in my opinion, and it turns out I was right, in my opinion, I hadn't done anything wrong. I was standing alone in a field with no mask on when even, you know, King Hokel or King Hokel, that's Queen Hokel, right? Apostle Hokel. (laughs) King Cuomo at the times, his own executive order allowed me to do what I was doing. The executive order that was in place at the time said you wear a mask only when you cannot maintain social distancing outdoors. And the signs on the stadium said as much. So anyway, the, the the whole point of where we're at now is, is that that promise that I made on the record, so to speak, uh, after court that we watched the video clip of, that involved this case going away, right? Right from the get-go. That involved the school district not only allowing the charges to be dropped, as you just identified, but people resigning. People apologize. Hold on. People apologizing. Mm-hmm. And resigning. Did you think that they were going to take it all the way to the end like this in the beginning? Or did you think that they would kind of let it go? Honestly, I, I never. you thought a, I had a never couple th- of times you thought it would get dismissed and then they came up with new charges. Yeah, no, I, honestly, I never thought, I never looked at it in those go. terms. I never looked at it in the terms of, is this going to go all the way to trial? At any point in time, I thought as a legal matter, Judge Valentino would dismiss oh, it. Correct. There was many legal reasons that we argued through motions and other. Why did he let it go that long? Who well, knows? Huh? It's that you know that's a whole other story. There, there's le- a lot of legal technical arguments there that were made along the way. But Valentino didn't. He dismissed three out of the four charges. But he but he let the one charge remain, and that's the charge that went all the way to trial. So so back to the idea of where we are, where we're at now, and where this is going to go is that offer was good for a long time. That offer was good for a long time. You resign, you apologize, Mary Grow, Kyle Vacanti, Jim Carroll. I told Jim Carroll that day, 
That day when he was harassing me and Maggie, telling us we had to leave or we were going to get arrested, I told him to his face that I'm going to get an appearance ticket, and he testified to this, I'm going to get an appearance ticket and you're going to lose your job, is what I told him. And he thought because, you know, that was going to make me look bad to the court last Wednesday night, you know, he, he giddily told the judge, oh, and Mr. Hummel told me that he was just going to get an appearance ticket, I was going to lose my job. Well, guess what, Jim Carroll? That's still going to be the case, in my opinion. You're still going to lose your job. Maybe Mary Carroll, Mary Grow, Mary Carroll, that probably, I think that is her maiden name. <laughs> like I said, they're cousins. Mm -hmm. But maybe Mary Grow, because she's your cousin, will somehow, you know, figure out a way for you to keep your job. But, you know, as Tom identified a few minutes ago, somebody's going to have to be the fall guy here. So, so here's, here's where we're at. They had an opportunity to do the right thing. They had 10 months May 1st of 2021, they had 10 months to do the right thing. Instead of doing the right, the right thing at any one time, not only did they not do the right thing, they came to court and they lied. They lied. They've cost me thousands of dollars. They've cost me a year of angst and anxiety. And you know what? And I don't, and I don't mean this flippantly. I really don't. I got the shoulders for it. If I didn't, I wouldn't have done this in the first place, Right? I had many opportunities to walk away on May 1st. Jim Carroll asked me to leave, and I told him to go take a shit in his own hat. The police officers showed up. Was, I had 20 was, was minutes. Was that part of the court testimony, take well, a he, shit in your own hat? Yeah, he, did, he had an Eastridge hat on. I mean, I didn't really <laughs> want him to shit in his Eastridge baseball cap. But okay, I had 15 minutes standing there in the field waiting for the police officers to show up. I had a chance to reflect and rethink about whether I wanted to go through with this and go home. Okay. And then the police officers showed up and they asked me if I was going to go home. I had a lot of chances to go away. Okay. And, and I chose not to because I, I, you know, I knew what I was doing. This is what needed to be done. But they, the school district had a chance to let this thing go and do the right thing for a long time now. And they've purposely decided not to let this go. And then they purposely took the stand and testified against me in a manner that was designed to hurt me further. To gain a criminal conviction against me, which could have cost me to lose my law license and my sure. professional career. So at this point, I think I'm prepared to announce right here that that Drum. offer's off the table. Oh, it's too late. You missed the drum. <laughs> I, I let it out before, before the Damn drum. Damn it. Ball. Yeah. That offer's off the table. That offer has been on the table right up until now, right? I mean, did, did, did your phone ring? Did my phone ring? Austin, did we get any phone calls from the East Aranaquite Central School District during this podcast that you know of? No, no phone calls. All right. So they had right up until now to accept my offer. The offer's now revoked, right? I mean, do you think that's fair? I gave them 10 months. What do you think? I... I think they decided to press this as far as they could for their own reasons to target and to be aggressive in their nature against you because you're a symbol for parents around the country. And they targeted you for their anti-American beliefs. And now, yeah, what the hell? Let them have it. Yeah. All right, we're going to get back to that in a second. Before I forget... Um, how many times have I broken, you know, this promise, so to speak? Today, I, I said I'm done with the thank yous, but this is this is just one example. Um, in the in the five in the six days since my acquittal, I've heard from you know hundreds 
uh, directly. And when I say directly, I mean phone calls, text messages, emails, and, and so things you're saying like that. you didn't make a lot of money this week. Correct. <laughs> and I've heard from thousands of people indirectly on social media, right? Okay. But um, this is just one example. This is an email. Excuse me. This is an email that I got today, um, and, I, and I won't say his name because, you know, he probably didn't ask me to and doesn't necessarily want me to, but I don't know who this individual is, but he identifies himself as an attorney um, in New York State and a former, uh, a retired police officer. His, his title here um, at his signature line is retired police officer and former assistant district attorney. Okay. So without- He's got, go he's got the credentials is what you're saying. Well, well, that and this, right? Without going off on another 30 minute tangent here. Thank you. <laughs> that, those titles that he has- means everything in the in this bigger context. And you're you're going to know what I mean by this, right? I've explained to you the circle of what I think politics is. I've always said uh, politics isn't a straight line, right? right. It's, it's not That's the, the whole basis of the We the People podcast network. It's not the further you go right, you're going to keep going right, and the further you go left, you're going to keep going left, and those two people have nothing in common. So it's not that the right winger and the left winger are so fundamentally different that they're they're just going to keep going further and further apart. I've always believed that somebody that goes so far right and somebody that goes so far left actually have way more in common than anyone else on that political spectrum. Because eventually, and because it's a circle, eventually they are going to meet on the backside of the circle. These are these are two individuals that I'm describing that actually are radicals. Yes. Radical left-wingers and Advoc radical right-wingers. But they they have advocacy and freedom at their core. Yeah. They may have a gazillion political reasons why they disagree, right? You name a political reason and they disagree on it. They disagree on economics. They disagree on the border. They disagree on abortion. Well, yeah, they the big, that's the big one. Right? They disagree on bail reform. They disagree on, you name the hot... A hot topic or hot button political issue and a gun control and a, and a gun control and they disagree on all of it but when it all comes down to it when it all gets said and done and there's a and there's a revolution to be had right no matter what that revolution is it's the french revolution it's the american revolution those two people are going to be in the same foxhole together fighting for freedom I promise you. And when they're in that foxhole fighting for freedom, they're not going to be talking about abortion and gun control. And, you know, hopefully they're not talking about gun control at that point, right? Well, it depends <laughs> who drove as to whether or not they had to chip in for gas. <laughs> it could be. Because if somebody drove, yeah. the other guy better. It's going to be really expensive soon. Yeah. So, so now here's the context of this email and, and that example of the circle. And that is I've spent a career as a criminal defense attorney, cross-examining police officers and going up against district attorneys, right? They've been my foe. They've been my foe for many years. I mean, I've done, I have a general practice. I've done all sorts of areas of law, but there was a time in my legal practice where 80% of what I did was criminal defense work. And I constantly went up against police officers in the courtroom. And I constantly went up against district attorney's office in the courtroom. Um, and I did last Wednesday night in my own case. Yet one of the few direct communications that I received in the last six days by email was this email that I just received a few hours ago at 240. 
And it's from a retired police officer and a former district attorney. And bleeding liberal. Well, who knows? I doubt that. But the point is, is that he's my professional opposite, so to speak. He's been on the other end of that spectrum for his career. And here he is meeting me on the backside of that circle. This is proof of my theory that this is a circle and not a line, right? And he says, Chad, I read about your recent acquittal. Don't back down. Bring your 1983 action. Um, That's a, a federal civil rights action, essentially. Bring your 1983 action and don't give it a second thought. These arrogant idiots are never going to resign and give you an apology. So the only other option is litigation. Even if all you get are nominal damages, think of the attorney's fees and the fun that you're, you are going to have shredding these idiots at trial. Well, that actually is a good point because that means he's been following your case from the beginning. Yeah, and, and a lot of people nationally have. And, right. and, and again, this is just an example. I've, I've received all sorts of communications from all over the country since this happened back on, on May 1st of 2021. Hey, you have a nomination for president. President of what? Yeah. The PTA? <laughs> no, no, thanks. I wanna, I wanna the school board? The, the one thing you'll never hear me say is that I'm going to get involved in politics. Um, I, may, you know, I may run for the school board. Man, could you imagine if I get on no. the East Rodequite school board? Well, you might win. There's some school board members who have directly um, targeted and attacked me, and I have proof of that too. One of them happens to be one of my neighbors over where I live. She hmm. lives a few houses away from me. Um, and, you know, and, and as far as I know, she's been pretty vocal um, you know, against me throughout, throughout much of this. That makes the garage sale in the neighborhood a little awkward. Right. <laughs> time is it it's 528 we got we have a few more minutes all right um let me uh i mean we we covered a lot here oh austin do me a quick favor pull that that not that i want to see my big bald forehead back up on the screen again but there's some poetic irony or some poetic justice in that being the photograph that amanda presta giacomo decided to use um, I didn't even know that I had given her that photo. I must have given her that photo back in May of 2021 uh, after this happened. Well, and, you do take a lot of selfies, Chad. And know, not, so. really, not really. <laughs> but I gave her that photo 10 months ago, and the photo that they used when this story first went national was the picture of my wife and I um, right. at, at the game that day, at my son's game. This picture right here, the poetic justice and irony of this picture now uh, being the face of this national story as Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk and Breitbart News and Newsmax you know, run with this story, and this is the photo that they're using, is that's a picture that I took of myself at my son's baseball game out at Pittsburgh Sutherland High School. Oh, that's right. I remember that. About a week and a half after my arrest. And again, keep in mind this. My school district, which this will be part of the lawsuit, my school district banned me from coming on campus up and through my son's graduation, right? I mean, you don't think that was on purpose, right? They purposely put the ban to June 30th so that I would miss my son's high school graduation, okay? Mm-hmm. And they knew that I was going to miss all of his varsity baseball games. Sounds and of course, like damages to me. Of course, junior year, I just have to turn the camera back on here. Junior year, of course, was a loss for COVID. So this was my one and only, my son's one and only shot 
you know, at, at his high school baseball career that I would have a chance to, you know, to see. I never realized your nose is a little crooked. Did you ever break your nose? No, I've never broken my nose. <laughs> and my nose isn't crooked. It's a little crooked. So the, 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 the camera angle is crooked. So I'm at his away baseball game because I can't go to the home baseball games. Right. Okay. And lo and behold, Pittsburgh Sutherland isn't enforcing any mask mandate. So I go to Pittsburgh Sutherland. I go to his game. I'm standing there mask-free enjoying my son's baseball game where, of course, he wasn't playing because for the first 10 games of the season, he only started and played every inning and every play of all the home games when I wasn't allowed to be there. And then he got benched and, when you showed and up. And for all the road games, he was benched. And, oh. you know, go figure, right? That That's also just a coincidence, right? Right. That that, that you know... And it, and it turns out, like I said, you know, one of the individuals that testified against me. Is the me, baseball coach also the math teacher or something? No, 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 no. There, there's more to this story that will come out in my civil trial that I can't get into right now. So um, so here's the thing. In the discovery process, in the criminal case, one of the things that we uncovered was some text messages by and between Chief Allen Laird and Jim Carroll right? The aforementioned Jim Carroll. And by the way, Chief Laird was subpoenaed by, by us to the trial to testify. But ultimately, we determined that, you know, we thought we had won the case without Chief Laird. So we, we left that alone and we didn't, we didn't call him. So um, Chief Laird and Jim Carroll were texting each other in the days after my arrest. And at one point, I believe Chief Laird texts something to the effect of, hey, did you see Hummel at the baseball game claiming that he wasn't wearing a mask or that he didn't have to wear a mask? And Jim Carroll's response was, yeah, right, that lying fuck. So Jim Carroll Jim Carroll said I was a lying fuck because I claimed on social media that I went to my son's baseball game at Pittsburgh without a mask on. And there's the photograph that's now being used as part of the news story, the national news story. Um, purely a coincidence that, that Amanda picked up that photo to use, but that came out at the trial. Dan Strollo, and I, I, I imagine, I haven't asked him this. I haven't followed up with him on this. I imagine he knew that are this you, was... Are you ducking his bill now, Chad? No, not at all. <laughs> I, in fact, I asked him to come on the podcast today, but he was busy. So um, he's busy recouping the money that he lost representing me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, Dan Strollo on cross-examination, asked Jim Carroll under oath. He said, Mr. Carroll, isn't it true that you have personal animus towards Mr. Hummel? And of course he said no. And he goes, really? He goes, isn't it true that you texted with the chief of police just days after his arrest? And before he could even finish the question, the DA's jumping up and objecting. Because the DA knows where this is going. He doesn't want this to come out. And Dan Strollo just, you know, like a freight train, just keeps right on going and says, didn't you text referring to Mr. Hummel as a lying fuck for not going to or for not wearing a mask at a baseball game. And the DA's like, objection, Your Honor. This is prejudicial. This is argumentative. And and Valentino sustained which button the button is you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I don't know how which one it is. Exactly. So Valentino sustained the objection, but it doesn't matter. At that point, Valentino heard it, right? Valentino knew that and and it and it just proves, right? Without me saying it, it just proves that They've been targeting me, and they do have a personal animus towards me. Because otherwise, why would the chief of police and the security guard that works for him, who claimed that he worked for the school district even though he mm-hmm. didn't, but he feels like he's entitled to say that because his cousin is the superintendent. Who else 
that doesn't work for the East Aranaquate Central School District would claim that they do work for the school district. Other than somebody who needs to say that in order to gain a conviction, other than somebody who's the cousin of the superintendent, right? I mean, these, these people, their, their level of arrogance mm -hmm. is through the roof, right? Right. Well, usually the people on the right side are the ones that are being targeted, right, by the people on the wrong side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. So um, anything else in the stack over there, Mr. Limpoff? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's about it. Um, and, I, and, you know, as always, I apologize for not uh, getting to everyone's comments. Um, you know, it's hard when you're just kind of hammering away over here to, to focus on the screen, but I appreciate everyone. Oh yeah. Listening. What about Vicky says, what about the trespassing charge at your home? Oh, Did you Vicky. ever file that against the. Yes. Great question. So let me, let me address that quickly. We, we do have to run. Um, thank you, Vicky. That's been, that's been popping up on my radar the past week or so since my acquittal. Um, and that is, is that Vicky's recalling that when the school district served my so-called campus ban on me a couple days after my arrest. You live on a private street. Live on a private drive with posted signs that say no trespassing. And the school district sent none other than a private security guard from Swoop One Security, right? Part of that mm -hmm. $476,000. Uh, they sent somebody who trespassed on my property. I never trespassed. And luckily, Valentino found you know me innocent of those charges. I never trespassed. They did. The school district trespassed on my property. I filed a police report for those trespassing charges, and the Rondequay Police Department Never ghosted me. Through. Ghosted me. Really? They they were responsive for a couple days. They paid lip service to the fact that they took the report and that they were looking into it, and then after that, they ghosted me. A sergeant, and I don't recall his name offhand, but thank you, Vicky. I'm going to be going back through my notes, and there's a a one year statute of limitations that those charges would have to be brought. Um, it's a it's a violation. It's not a misdemeanor. It's not a crime, but it is a criminal matter that can be charged by way of a trespassing violation, which is a little bit lower on the criminal rung than what I was charged with. But there's there's a one year statute of limitations that occurred. I don't know, maybe May fifth or sixth or seventh, sometime that week after my arrest. So the Irondequoit Police Department or the Monroe County DA's office has up until the first week of May to commence a, a, a criminal case against this individual uh, if they're going to do so. Otherwise, it you know their opportunity to do that is lost. So yes, Vicki, I am going to be um, stepping up the pressure again on that because that's going to further flush these people out as to whether or not they're working on doing the right thing here or are they further trying to you know cover things up and, and make this a one-way you know, one prosecution, so to speak, against me versus... Hey, what's right is right here. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So this is the very last thing, and now we're really running over time here, but this is the very last thing that I wanted to say. Um, Judge Valentino, right? Now, I don't think it's right or proper or couth or whatever to thank the judge, so I'm not going to thank yeah, the judge. Yeah, he's doing his job. He's doing his job, and he did a good job. He really did. And I, and I honestly, I know this is going to sound self-serving at this point, but it is what it is. It's going to sound like I'm saying this only because he found me not guilty. Um, you know, whatever. You, you can believe me or not, but he did do a great job, and I do appreciate the fact that he thoughtfully handled the case right from the get-go. And every time he denied one of our motions to make this all go away, obviously I didn't like his decisions, and I didn't agree with his decisions, but 
both myself and, and my attorney, Dan Strollo, were able to reflect after the fact. He had a basis. On what the everything. basis was, right? We, we could both articulate what the basis was. It wasn't as if he was so far out in left field that he was clearly trying to keep this case going. The only ones that were trying to keep this case going were the East Aranaquite Central School District people, right? Not Judge Valentino. So this is what I want to say, though. When Judge Valentino rendered his verdict against me. Did you fall on your knees on the floor? I, I had one black glove on, though, and, and my attorney was looking for the other black glove. Did you have black sunglasses on? No. So, hold on. We're, on, we're in overtime here, so okay. let, me, let, me, let me try to finish this up. So, normally with a bench trial, where you're doing the trial in front of just the judge without a jury, typically with a bench trial, it's been the practice of local judges in my career that they don't render a decision that night. Oh. Usually, they'll take all the testimony, and then they're going to take a couple weeks to think about it. They're going to go back, just like a jury would deliberate. Right, but they don't. They don't deliberate per se. They don't. They don't go set themselves up in a room and deliberate. He goes home to his family and to his job, and then he'll he spend. About it. He'll spend a couple weeks thinking about it. Maybe yeah. review the notes from the trial and things like that. And he usually says, "Come back in a couple weeks, and I'll render my decision." So, and and Dan Strollo, my attorney, and I had already discussed this in the middle of the trial that that was probably going to be the case. Well, we get done with closing arguments, and. It's probably 9.15 at night, and Judge Valentino stands up, taps his papers just like this, takes his papers, goes like this. He's like, I'll be back in five minutes with my verdict. And he walks off the bench. Did you think that was a good thing or a bad no, thing? No, I, I thought that was a very bad thing. Really? And I turned to Dan, and I said, Dan, that's not good, is it? It's exactly what I said to Dan. I go, that's not good, is it? And he, Dan just kind of was like, eh. He goes, I'm still not sure how he's going to rule Chad. And Dan's going to have to be honest with me at some point as to whether or not he was just blowing smoke up my ass to calm me down at that moment, or did he, or did Dan really believe that it was still kind of up in the air? Um, so he walks off the bench. And how many words did the judge take to come out of his mouth before you realized it was going your way? Well, well, hold on. That's what I'm getting to, oh, and, I, and right. I know, and I know you're trying to speed this up, but uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> so he says. Um, he, he taps his papers, walks off. I, I turn to Dan. I go, this isn't good. Because to me, this is like a jury verdict in a criminal case. If the jury comes back in five minutes, that's because they found the defendant guilty, right? All the jurors know he's guilty, and they all just have to go in the back and go through the formality of agreeing with each other, and then they come back out and they render their guilty verdict. If they ultimately find the defendant not guilty, it's because there's two or three or maybe only one person who thinks they're not guilty, and they argue about it for two days the 10 jurors or the 11 jurors try to convince the one or two jurors to come over to the guilty side. And that's usually what takes so long to come to, a, you know. So I'm thinking for sure he's finding me guilty. So he comes back out in, let's say, seven or eight minutes. He takes the stand and or he, he goes to the bench and, and he says, you know, Mr. Hummel, please rise, because that's what the defendant does when the, the verdict's about to be read. Mr. Hummel, please rise. So I stand up and... uh I guess I'm white as a ghost at this point, according to those that were watching. I don't think I was, but whatever. Did you ever envision yourself standing in that as, no. a, as an attorney, standing in that position no. someday in your life? No, it, not even through three and a half hours of trial had it occurred to me that that's where we were going to be that night. Because like I said, I thought he was going to render a verdict in a couple of weeks. I thought I was going to have to live with this. I didn't want to, but I thought I was going to have to live with this for another two, three weeks, right? So he says, uh, he starts off by saying, the one thing that's clear to me after dealing with this case for 10 months and listening to the trial testimony here tonight is that Mr. Hummel went to the school district that day uh, for a fight. That's what uh -oh. he went. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, in hindsight, as Dan, my attorney Strollo, correctly pointed out, in hindsight, he never would have lectured me if he was going to find me guilty. He would have just said, "You're guilty," and that would have been it. But he needed to lecture me first because he knew he was going to find me not guilty. Right? He wanted to make me shit my pants first. In, in a nutshell. And he did. But it's not like you went and you stood behind home plate. No, he and, was wrong. And you were belligerent. Yes. And you said, you know, come get me, yeah, yeah. dirty coppers. Yeah, yeah, no. I Look, here's the thing. I do think he's wrong about that. Unf you stood out in left field by yourself, so you were obviously courteous of other people yep. that were attending the game. Correct, following the actual rules and right. the guidance. So I think he was wrong about that, but, you know, for for – Brevity's sake, but you I can did understand go there why. and you weren't planning on wearing a mask. Correct. I can and, understand and why that, he thinks that. And that's that. what he was thinking. Correct. I can understand why he thinks that and feels that. So, so he says that, and then he proceeds to say this at some point. He went on for about two minutes he before he finds me not How guilty. How bad were you sweating at this point? I, I, was, I, was, I was worried. No question. <laughs> first time. First time I, I was worried. And then he says this, though. He says, and Mr. Hummel's conduct was not an example of goodness, discipline, and knowledge. Now, for those of you Aquinas people out there, you would know that goodness, teach me goodness, discipline, and knowledge is the Aquinas motto. And as an Aquinas grad, we all know that. That's instilled is in Judge us. Judge Valentino an Aquinas grad? He is. And his three was brothers. He, was he class of 92? No, he's... I think class of 88 or 89. All right. But his his younger brother, who was class of 91, I went to law school with. So Judge, the Honorable Joseph Valentino, knew exactly what he was alluding to when he used the goodness, discipline, and knowledge. He was sending me a little bit of a... So eh. you, you weren't a good citizen. Yeah, he was sending me a little bit of a dig there, I think. And you know what? I, I can appreciate it, though, right? It was a little bit of a dig. I think it was unnecessary to throw that in my face. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I, you know, as somebody, you know me, right? Yeah. You know, you know that I like to talk trash and the whole nine yards. So as a trash talker and as somebody who, you know, loves to, you know, rub somebody's face in it, um, I, I'll just say that I, I appreciate the fact that, that he had the balls to kind of throw that in my face with the, with the Aquinas motto there at the end. Mm -hmm. And there's no question that's what he was doing because there was there was really no other place for those remarks. And then and then what he said was, uh, but as the attorneys in the room know, that's not the the burden uh, upon which I have to decide this case. The burden is you know beyond a reasonable doubt, and the people were unable to prove that Mr. Hummel was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and therefore I find Mr. Hummel not guilty. And that was and that was the end. Were there balloons and streamers and? Uh, no, nothing like that. Uh, it was late at night. They kicked us out of the courtroom. So, yeah, they kicked us out. It was better than taking me to jail, though. All right, so I'm going to leave it at that. We've gone way over. I appreciate everyone for listening and watching. Um, please go to our uh, website or to uh, the We The People Podcast Network on Facebook and like us, share this out. Um, and uh, Chad Hummel, God Freedom Podcast, We The People Podcast Network, thank you. And we'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday, 4 p.m. for Kimberly's Revolution. Have a great night. Bye now.
a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.